Hi, Hi everyone. everyone. I'm John. And I'm Georgia. And we're here inside your ears to talk about the mac and cheese of movies. This, this is, is Comfort, Comfort Films. Films. Hello everyone and welcome to Comfort Films episode 30. We 30. made it to 30. Wow, we're like middle age now. <laughs> Wow. Is that middle age? Oh my god. I don't know. They told me that when I was in film school and I was like 30s middle age and now I'm like 45 and I'm like 30 was like high school. Like 45 is middle age. <laughs> yeah, right. So. Um, so today we're going to be talking about Moonstruck, the 1987 Cher and Nicolas Cage awesome romantic comedy. Brilliant. Yeah. That we love and it's fantastic. And today is a very special, special treat. We have a guest, Kate Duffy. Hello, Kate. Hello, Kate. Hello. Hi, friends. <laughs> thanks Hi. for joining us today. And thanks for suggesting Moonstruck as one of your favorite comfort films, because we love it, too. Mm -hmm. um, it's Kate, a classic. It, yeah. it is so good. We watched it a million times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I used to watch it every day after school because <laughs> I, oh I God, really, really did. Honest to God, this is another one of those ones with the pay-per-view situation oh that I had in my town. It was like you rent pay-per-view once. Somehow you end up with it like for the whole month. And so I would watch Moonstruck over and over and over again. That's a and great would, month. Yeah. Then, then I taped it. <laughs> and then I was like, I love this movie. And then even when it wasn't just coming on, I'd watch it over and over and over again. I saw I it with like my... the appropriate way to watch it is just over and over and over again. <laughs> it is. It goes so quick. <laughs> it is. It's like one of it the does. fastest movies there is. So that's great. Yeah, but... it's tight. Like mm -hmm. they're, they're not messing around. There's not like one second of like lag. It's just... The plot is just moving the whole time. Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's super great. So, Kate, we know uh, from when we lived in Worcester, Massachusetts, mm -hmm. Kate went to Clark, uh, which we also both went to Clark. Yes, we did. But I was in grad school and John was already out of school Ooh. at that point. Um, but we actually met like 10 years after we were in college. Isn't that insane? <laughs> That's fully insane. Because yeah. we were doing Worcester Shakespeare um, with Danny Zelliger, who we've spoken of many times. I good think, man. Very good on this man. Podcast. One of the top humans that we know. Yes. It's um, yeah. And Danny and Kate uh, got married. Uh, yes. About True. How long ago? How long have you guys Can been confirm. married? Can uh, confirm. We will be married four years in July. So, wow. uh, but we've, we've been together for almost 11. So yes. a very long time. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, they started dating like literally the month we moved away to yeah, California. I know, it's so weird. Yeah, that was the biggest bummer. <laughs> but, uh, we ended up getting to know each other really well uh, through sending animal pictures to each other <laughs> mm -hmm. on Instagram and Facebook. So I'd say that Kate is probably the best friend I have that I've spent the least physical proximity contact time with. <laughs> oh my god you know that's actually that's so true i i feel the exact same way about both of you like yeah. i feel like I, I i feel like we are such good friends and love each other so much and we have maybe been in the same physical space like four times yeah it's true <laughs> it's nuts dude <laughs> it's it's really Which is really really weird yeah it is weird i mean um, but it does not stop the love no. no i mean and we're really all just biding our time until we can you know, buy a giant farm and start a, a oh, puppy yeah. rescue organization or whatever. I would love that. Um, yeah. So that, yeah, that, I think we have a dream. shared goal of, like, getting as far away from other people as possible and just having, like, a commune. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <So>. exactly. <laughs> uh, 
And yes, and oh then recently, um, Kate and Danny have blessed the world with one of the top babies yes. of all time, Joni. <laughs> yes. Um, who we She is pretty awesome. We've never met yet. Mm-mm, not yet. But we uh, love to share in her adventures of growing up and learning about new foods. Yes. And her <laughs> first swimming lesson today. Yep. My little water baby. <laughs> and one day you will be there for her first Nicolas Cage vehicle. So, <laughs> oh, that would be so good. And that, that will be, be so really good. good. You oh, never I'd forget your baby's first Nick Cage movie. <laughs> <laughs> Special moment for every parent. <laughs> now I'm feeling really regretful that we didn't have children. Yes. Yeah, so I know. I... These are the times. But only for that reason. <laughs> That's it. That's, yeah. Really, that is a. That's the only reason for us. <laughs> Um, we could make them do Nicolas Cage movies with us. We could invite them to cage matches in the home. Yeah. 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 But now you can do that with my kids. So, you know, you, you you still get to have that experience. Yeah, I can offer exciting. that to you. <laughs> watch, oh, wow. watch parties with Joni. Yeah. Um, we have the, so much to look forward to. It is. I mean, I'm really curious. What would be the first Nicolas Cage film that you would introduce Joni to? You know, I think it would probably have to be Raising Arizona, which is, I think, my favorite Nicolas Cage movie of all time. Although I, I I, do think it's tied with Moonstruck. And obviously, you guys covered Raising Arizona beautifully in your, I believe it was your very first episode, right? That was, was Raising Arizona. Um, but yeah, I, I, think, I think Raising Arizona mainly just because it is, I think, the first Nicolas Cage movie I ever saw. I saw that movie for the first time and I was probably like eight yeah. which maybe is not the most appropriate thing but it was my dad's favorite movie oh wow um, oh, okay. and uh you know it's a movie my dad passed away uh, about two months ago and it's a you know a movie that has always been the movie that we've connected on the most um and it's by far the most quotable movie of all time in my opinion yeah. um so i think that would probably be a very special one to show to her but moonstruck is up there too i mean this this is maybe battling it out with uh with raising arizona for my my favorite cage film although this does feature less cage i guess overall than raising yeah. arizona no that's true but i think the cage you get in moonstruck is <laughs> like very high intensity cage yeah yeah that i think like they exist in the same universe like there there's a <laughs> there's a matched energy of like ronnie and high <laughs> that like i really I enjoy <laughs> Well, it's really funny because when we, uh, when I was doing my deep research on this film, Moonstruck, which consists of me reading the IMDb trivia. And I listened. That was um, my research. I read that Cher actually fought for Nicolas Cage to be cast in this film because the studio kind of was like, ah, we don't know. And she felt that his crazy would actually come across more real um than the other people they were considering so she said it's either you pick nicholas cage for this role or i walk so whoa share yeah share is Fuck. awesome i mean we love share anyway but of course yeah i mean she's an icon but she uh i mean her in this movie is like everything i want to be <laughs> i just yeah. i i love her so much i love loretta and i feel like so connected to her and i i just adore Cher. so to hear that she fought for nick cage like just makes me love this movie even more i know yeah. i feel that way too um i read it after we'd finished watching it and i was like thank you thank you Cher," um because she she really did us all a favor because he's perfect 
and their chemistry yeah. is so good like it's amazing yeah yeah you really believe it and it has to be like that because they fall together so quickly you know they meet they right. talk for like i don't know 10 minutes 30 minutes yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you're counting the travel time from, like, the bakery up to the apartment. like, Well, she also makes him a steak, so I feel like there oh, had to be a true. little time to prepare the steak and then feed it to him. Yeah, um, even though it's a rare steak, so. <laughs> that's only a couple minutes on each side, you know. It's quick. And then they get the booze going. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, then the whiskey yeah. comes out. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I feel like if they didn't have that sort of undeniable chemistry the movie would just would not work and, no. and and truly i mean i i know obviously it's the only movie we've seen but i genuinely could not imagine anybody else as ronnie i don't think there is another option <laughs> i feel yeah, like nick so. cage and ronnie are like one in the same um, hey, i don't think I, it would work without him i guess the other person they were considering was peter gallagher who oh i God. Yeah, much I, different. I, I, much different. I like him. He was in While You Were Sleeping, and he's mm -hmm. hilarious, yeah. and I love that movie, too. But I just don't think he has the, the right kind of energy for this, not the way no. that Nicolas Cage does. Well, it's like No, you he's need... Sandy Cohen. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> you need people that can turn their emotions on a dime, and that that's the biggest thing in yeah. this that I really noticed, because we'll go from a very normal level conversation to like high level intensity and they're able to snap back and forth and, and there's there's yeah. no lag time it's like you're laughing you're crying you're screaming yeah. you know and then you're having sex <laughs> like what are we doing we're making a steak like it just keeps spinning <laughs> you know what i mean and like yeah. all these people have so much experience and, and that's what i thought about like my favorite I thought my favorite romantic comedy of all time was When Harry Met Sally, which I still adore, adore, yeah. adore. But after last night, I said to Georgia, I'm like, look, I'm just going to tell you this privately, but now I'm just saying it. <laughs> I think Moonstruck is the number one romantic comedy for me because every yeah. single character in Moonstruck, even like the, the smaller parts, the people at the liquor store, I'll watch that story. The, the people for that sure. are getting the plumbing, right? You know, where he's like, oh, yeah. I would watch that story. You know, that would be us would be so baffled would be like, I don't know. I don't All know. Right, I guess we... we'll go with the copper piping. I don't know. <laughs> I would be like, I have no idea. Like, I, I would be dumber than that guy. But yeah, I mean, that would be us. But every single part old man with the dogs are you shitting me oh. right oh my god i that is that is me <laughs> that is that is who i know i just said i want to be loretta but like really i want to be her grandfather so with his like four thousand dogs that are just like crashing around the city <laughs> and the house like i i i don't think there will ever be a better old man Agreed. character in any movie no he I, wins i love him i love that one of the first things we see with him is that he goes to the cemetery and there's like a sign that says no dogs allowed. And he's just like, whatever. Yeah, that doesn't apply to me. He doesn't give a no. fuck. Yeah. No, John, you're so right. Like, I think the the bit characters in this movie, I, 
the movie would just be completely uh it would just be incomplete without them like there's so yeah. many like small characters my one of my per- i mean i have actually i have two like bit characters that are my favorite the first is bobo the waiter um i'm obsessed yes, with bobo yes yes um but also when loretta is watching johnny's plane take off and that old woman <laughs> is telling her about the curse that she put on her sister yes and then loretta's like i don't believe in curses she's like eh neither do i <laughs> i love that she's lady like, too and so, she, like she isn't she's just great well and she's so intense when she's talking about the curse <laughs> She's just like this evil super villain. And you're like, oh, my God, is the plane going to explode? And she's like, eh. yeah. Yeah. It. it keeps you guessing for a hot second. I love it. I, and then, like, I also I want to give props to the mother, uh, you know, that is dying. Yeah. And, like, she just keeps throwing her <laughs> arms up in the air. And then, oh, yeah, <laughs> we loved her. We loved her. She doesn't even speak like English ever in the movie, and she's no. just like lying in the bed with like the blanket pulled up over, her. Just... and then just waving and making all these hand motions at Danny Aiello. This is Camerary, and she also seems to be like approximately nine thousand years older than Danny yes. Aiello, which I really love. So well, good. and he is also nine thousand years older than Nicolas Cage, which, oh, yeah. which yeah, is his brother. The ages of all the characters in the Camerari family are like really just baffling yeah. to me. Like, yeah. Was the mom like seventy when she had Johnny? Like what happened? Yeah. The mother is immortal. Awesome. That's She's, that's the thing. She guess, is yeah. immortal. Well, that's true, right? Because she makes this miraculous recovery. And she cooks so. for everyone. <laughs> that's what I loved about <laughs> I it. I like that. She ate a meal that could choke a pig. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, there's just, there's so, I, I, I feel like this is by far one of the most quotable oh, movies yeah. that's ever existed. Sure. Like, every scene, there is something that just makes me die laughing. Um, and I think that's a really special quality. It's such an amazingly written movie. Um, but also I think because of our friend, John Patrick Shanley, yeah. like it's such a play, like oh, it yeah. just, the whole thing is so theatrical and every, there's just so many scenes that are like lit, like a, a play blocked, like a play. Mm-hmm. The dialogue is a play. Like everyone is like in it. Like it's a play. I, I don't know. I just, I love that quality about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just so well-written and there are just a million and one lines that I just think are endlessly funny that just never get less funny. well norman jewison who directed this i was actually looking this up he directed jesus christ superstar which we just did last yeah. week he, really? uh, he also directed fiddler on the roof he's done all oh, these play right. and musical adaptations yeah. he did in the heat of the night he actually in oh see that makes so much but sense. then get this he did the hurricane with denzel washington oh, yeah like this guy is a, a real pro ball player He's like a Canadian filmmaker, still alive. I think he's 95 now. And he understands, you know, how these things work. Now, something I had seen something about once is the final scene in the film in the kitchen. They did rehearse that like a play. They went ahead and they actually kept going over it because they weren't able to find like that energy. But that's why that final scene pops so hard is because they just kept working it. Yeah. And I mean, I do think... I think it's such a good point that this does have such a play feel to it Mm. um, because I kept getting that last night also. And it's really funny because um, it's funny that we are doing a John Patrick Shanley screenplay with you because 
like I think the last thing we did with Danny before we left Worcester is that he was directing Danny in the Deep Blue Sea, mm-hmm. which is the Shanley yeah. piece. Um, so I guess we, the Duffy Zelliger clan and the Macy clan are very tied together by Shanley. Yeah, I used <laughs> for sure. Well, I used to do, and this this didn't fit me at the time. Maybe maybe a little bit more now, but I I, I don't know. Danny in the Deep Blue Sea. I used to do a monologue from it. Because I went through this whole thing where I always would get like these funny parts. So I had this great idea that I was going to be badass, but still had glasses on. So I'm like giving you this monologue about beating everybody up and I'm hardcore and I got a huge cock. You know what I mean? And it was just like, you know, so that was there. So I, I was familiar with the piece and always liked it. And then when we saw Danny's interpretation of it, which was fucking brilliant, it by the, the way. amazing amazing and i'm glad that uh we got to see it but yeah i I mean yeah it's all it's all hooked together and and the monologues in this this again speaks to the quality of these actors because nicholas cage carries off that first monologue about losing his hand like it's in a film but it still has that play feel to it you know it's really impressive that they can make it natural enough that you can sit at home or in the theater and not feel like it's intrusive because I've seen a lot of things and I'm sure you have too, where it's like, this is monologue time, slow zoom, dramatic music, <laughs> you know? And this is just yeah. like walking around and, and talking and it's so well done. Yeah. It's so well yeah. done. He yeah. took my hand and he took my bride or whatever he says. Oh, <laughs> I love it. And that scene he's is. Got, he's ha- he ah. <laughs> And he's just like glistening with the bread <laughs> ovens, like he's just <laughs> pouring sweat. Yeah, <laughs> love it. I mean, because yeah. it, 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 he brings the intensity that you need for that scene, but also the lighting. I'm really glad you brought up because mm. I actually talked about that too, especially in that scene. I mean, Nicolas Cage and Cher both have these amazing faces. Yeah, I mean, John mm-hmm. said they're almost like Picassos. You know the it's oh they totally are that's so true it's like you know they have these huge features that shouldn't fit together right but they do and they both have like these just glowing gorgeous amazing unique faces and the light in their eyes in that scene is so crazy because they both just have like Mm -hmm. these glowing beautiful eyes yeah and i really love that because to me that just shows like they're connecting and it's you know, just one of those things that you can do with light that it really adds to the scene so much. That's great. Yeah, I totally agree. Also, that scene has one of my other favorite bit characters, Chrissy. Oh, yeah. Of Chrissy, bring me the yeah, big knife. I, I was right there with you. Big knife. With the big knives coming out, I'm like, oh, wow. I'm going to slit my throat. I tell you, Ronnie, I won't do it. Then <laughs> she's crying at the end. Yeah, she's because she loves them. I know. And then she delivers her own little monologue about how she's in love yes. with him and he'll never know. And I'm like, Chrissy, I want to know more about Chrissy. And then she's just gone. Oh, You man. know, and you never hear from Chrissy again. No, and that's the beauty of it. It's like I, she has a rich in her life. Yeah. She's amazing. And the woman who plays her is so perfect because she does kind of just seem like this kind of little, you know, almost maybe right out of high school kind of girl mm-hmm. who is just doing yeah. her job and everything. But she's so intensely in love with, you know, the crazy Ronnie character. <laughs> and then her <laughs> kind of other, the other woman who's there is just like. That's the hairdresser. Yeah, she's, uh, no, she's not the hairdresser. The hairdresser is Ooh. the curly haired lady. This lady is, um, I, know, I don't know. I feel really bad because I know this woman from 
other movies, but this woman has straight hair. Let's work together. And she's, uh, I don't know, I can't, I can't. But <laughs> okay. she, uh, she's just <laughs> such a good kind of chorus in the scene because she's watching all these things happen and she's just like, mm, you know, <laughs> like she knows what's going on. Okay. And I, I don't know, she's great. She's been in other stuff, so yeah. I'll have to look it up and add it to a blog post or something. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there is so much packed in and I'm usually pretty good with names, but at this point, I feel like I've tried to stuff so much in the trunk. Like some <laughs> of it's kind so of falling out, <laughs> you know, I'm like, what? Well, what? And that, again, though, it's another thing that calls back to what you said at the beginning. Every person in this movie matters. Right. Like, it's not like you have mm-hmm. a minor character who you can just kind of write off. We haven't even talked about John Mahoney yet. I'm right with you on that. (laughs) And Olympia Dukakis. Can you believe that motherfucker is not American? Can you believe that? No. He is amazing. I mean, he's always going to be Marty Crane to me. But but yes, it is is shocking. He's that good Um, that I I never could tell. And when I found him, I'm like, oh my God, this guy's even better than I thought. And and one of the things Georgia Red said, he got Frasier because of Moonstruck. Yeah, he thinks that... Did he really? That's what they think. He thinks that he did because he, um, he felt like this gave him the exposure that he never had had. Yeah. Um, and that people had seen this, so they kind of thought of him for that part. And I, I just... I think he's so great in this. Everything. And honestly... Oh, he's so great. I love, I love the scene with him and Olympia Dukakis so much, and I love Olympia Dukakis mm. so much. Mm. And, you know, I know that it's good at the end that everybody kind of is restored. You know, the marriage with Vincent Gardenia and Olympia Dukakis is restored. But if she ran off with John Mahoney, would I really have been that upset about it? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, I I also love that scene between them. I think it's a really sweet scene. Um, You know, and John Mahoney is really, I mean, he's not in the movie for very long at all. He maybe has like 15 minutes of screen time, but he just like runs with it. Yeah. Um, And I just think they have such a a sweet connection. And I love Olympia Dukakis. I mean, I love love the parallels of Olympia Dukakis and Cher both telling these men their life, right? Like, I'm going to tell you your life. (laughs) Like, just this like brazen confidence of being able to sit these men down and be like, actually you're fucking everything up and here's what's going on (laughs) like i love that i find that to be like such a beautiful parallel between the mother and the daughter um but yeah i mean i just i just think that olympia dukakis obviously is an icon one of one of the best actors ever yeah um and an amazing face an amazing physical comedian (laughs) um i mean everyone in this movie is everyone is like bringing their a game um it's hard to even like talk about a favorite character because i just feel like everyone is doing the most in this movie um in a really beautiful yeah. way i fully agree with that and yeah i'm glad you said olympia dukakis has a face too because yeah she's she's right there with sharon nicholas cage with having that yeah. amazing just perfect totally. face and her hair in this she's always yeah. got like that perfectly swooped kind of graying blondish yeah. hair and it's and she has her little like glamorous headscarf when she's mm-hmm. out, like to keep her hair together. So I love it. It's so great. It's, it's yeah. so old fashioned and so wonderful. 
And then uh, also Uncle Raymond and Aunt Rita. Yeah. We love. Oh, man. They're great. We love yes. them. They're so great. They're so sweet, they're, too. Like, they're. They're so He's cute. the kindest man I've ever seen. Like, it brings me to tears. I'm like, how can I be that pure when I'm that age? <laughs> yeah. I'm 45 and I'm jaded as fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he's just like, look at the moon. Let's look Cosmo's at Cosmo's moon. It's Cosmo's moon. Yeah. And like, you know, it's just like he's such, like, just this great great person and i i love that scene in the bedroom with the two of them because it's just this pure wonderful love and and she even calls it out she's like you know you look like you're 25 in the moonlight (laughs) and it really touches them and it it gets me too i'm like oh my god it's just it's beautiful i love it it really love it i also love that scene for a, a number of reasons i mean it's also like talk about beautiful lighting like mm. that scene is just lit like so amazingly but it is so sweet and like and i one thing i really like about this movie is that like it acknowledges the existence of old people having sex oh, yeah. and like feeling desirable and like the idea that you know you can be with someone for 50 years and still find them desirable mm-hmm. and still be desired yourself yeah. Um, and like it's a little thing but it, i think it like really really matters in this movie mm-hmm. um you know we see that i mean obviously cosmo is cheating but like he's even his the woman that he's like cheating on his wife with is also older yeah. like, she's not even like a young woman yeah, yep. she's older um, she's kind of trying to dress herself up and all this kind of thing but right at the same time yeah she's not like some you know 25 year old girl no that he's going out with i love that too i love that you know, I, but I really especially love it with Rita and Raymond because, you know, they've been yeah. in love for so many years and they still are. And I just think that's so sweet and wonderful. And the, <laughs> they're so cute. The two of them play it so well. and They're just they're so real. <laughs> I just love them. Well, what about the old man? Yeah. Doesn't he have a line like he's like, I can't find love. I think I caught that last night. Oh, I don't know. Do you remember this? I maybe I made it up, but I. Th- oh, you mean the grandpa? That's correct. I think he says at one point he's like either I can't find love or I'm too old to find love. But he has his dog. Oh, yeah. Do you remember this? Yeah. I okay. Do. Okay. Yeah. Like, let's talk about that. What's that mean? Oh man. I mean, I I feel so protective of this old. Like, I just I love him so much. I like get emotional talking about him because I'm like I'm. That's like really what I want to be when I'm older. And I always tell Danny, and he always gets mad at me that I'm like my real goal is to have a dog pack, and I'm not kidding. Like. <laughs> I want a dog pack. I want like seven to 15 dogs that are just like destroying my house. Like I want that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I find his care. Like the, the scene that always really gets me is when he takes the dogs to go howl at the moon. Yes. Like it's just, it's such a beautiful scene. Like it, I mean, again, like this whole movie, it's lit so beautifully. It's so theatrical um it's so dramatic there's almost like i I feel like this whole movie almost has a hint of like this magical realism to it that i really love but um but i just i love that scene because you can tell that like despite the fact that yeah this you know this guy maybe he's widowed um or you know he hasn't been with someone in a long time i mean obviously he's cosmo's dad so at one point he must have (laughs) had some sort of relationship but um I just really love, you know, they, I mean, obviously they mention Olympia Dukakis mentions like when grandma died. So you can assume that like his wife has passed away, but um, 
I, I just always like love how he has this like really rich inner life that we kind of get to see snippets of. Like he has his like old man friends that he gets to like talk shit with at the cemetery. Right. And then he like has his dogs who he's like always annoyed by, but then he like slips them Olympia Dukakis's like food <laughs> to eat off of a china plate. Yep. And then he takes them down to the river, like specifically to howl at the moon. And when they start howling, like the joy on his face is like I don't know. I just, I find it just so beautiful. Um, That scene like always really gets me. And like last night when Danny and I were watching it, I was like getting really emotional. Mm. I'm like, you look at him. He's howling at the moon with his dog. Like, that's what I want. I want that. It's really great. So Danny, when you listen to this, I need a dog pack. (laughs) I came on this show to plug that I need a dog pack. The best thing is that I was texting with a group, with a couple of girls that I used to work with my last job this week and i literally was saying that when i get old i want to have like probably 10 dogs yeah so that's the way to we go. have common life goals there my grandmother was like that so <laughs> she like would take the most busted up dogs on you know that nobody would ever want and she would just have them and keep them and take care of them and they loved her and it was just like i'm like okay that's goals that's what i want to be when i grow yeah up. I said, if I could have dogs, I probably already would have double-digit number of dogs. But <laughs> If I wasn't allergic, sure. I'd be with you. You yeah. know what I mean? I would be on board <laughs> with We would this. just be covered in dogs yeah. at all times. just be all dogs in this shot. You wouldn't even see our eyes. <laughs> our dogs would just yeah. be sitting. We'd just be holding a dog up oh, right wow. now to learn what it thought about the movie. <laughs> would we still even like each other or we'd just do the dogs? You know, we just would just be the... together in dog parenthood. Okay. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you know? But it's... it's great. I'm glad that we're not the only ones who are insane for dogs. We love them. Sorry, Danny. No. We fully support the dog pack. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also, I do want to say, like, Danny does love dogs, but he, he does not understand my desire to have, like, an uncomfortable amount of them. <laughs> Which, you know what, like, I, I realize I'm the unhinged one in that situation, <laughs> so it's okay. I mean, but, you know, the good thing is you surround yourself with people who support that, because I fully support that. I mean... Yeah. Okay, good. I've We've talked about <laughs> having, like, a dog ranch, where we just have, like, a ranch, but it's all dogs on it. I oh, want all chow chows. That's kind of my thing. I really want all chow yeah. chows. Yeah. that's that's oh, your man, dog. they're so fuzzy. I know, so but, good. you know, I, it's funny, because I have breeds that I think I like better than others, but literally every Every time I see a dog in the wild, you know, when I'm driving around somewhere and I see somebody walking a dog, I love that dog and I think it's the best dog in the world. And then the next one, same thing. Yeah. Every dog is the perfect dog. Every dog dog is the best dog. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the law. They're also every dog is a puppy. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I don't make the rules. I don't care if your dog is 25 years old. They're a puppy. That's one of the best things about California is everyone 100% loves their dog so much. And you can see it everywhere you go. Yeah. Like you're having a bad day. You're stuck in traffic. You see this beautiful dog beautifully manicured smiling <laughs> happy you know? wearing yeah. a little jacket whatever they it's it's wonderful <laughs> you know just really hanging out like a really happy dog you know just listening to their yeah. tunes and you know <laughs> checking yeah, out they Netflix. got their head out the window yeah. on the 405 or is that a real yes. road? Did i make that up i don't know no, you got it you got it it's <laughs> Four or five assault. I haven't been to California in like 10 years. I don't know anything about it. Come it back. scares me. Come back. Bring Danny. Come back. And Joni. And Joni. Yes. yes. Come. I know. I know. We we will at some point. Um, just in time for her first cage match. Yes! <laughs> and that's that's what we love. 
Well, and now, do you like other works from John Patrick Shanley? Like, I we know that John Patrick Shanley, of course, did Danny in the Deep Blue Sea. Are you a fan of mm-hmm. Joe versus the Volcano? You know, I have never seen it. Oh, wow. It. Okay. Yeah, I have never seen it. You know, my, my Shanley knowledge is... Uh, I wouldn't say particularly great. Um, okay. You know, Danny and the Deep Blue Sea, I remember weirdly enough before I met Danny, because Danny and I started dating, I think, right after he did that production. I did see you it. You saw my monologue, um, of course. <laughs> of, yeah, of course. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I Sweeping did. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, that production was so cool. But I had read that play um, I, maybe like a year or two prior to it, just sort of like randomly. I don't really remember how that happened. Um, but no, I mean, I, I don't actually have like a huge, uh, working knowledge of, um, you know, his writing. I think, you know, Moonstruck is sort of like the big one for me and something that I, I have always held everything up to because it's so good. Well, I didn't know he wrote Joe versus the volcano until last night. Oh, really? And I was looking at his IMDb page and being like, okay, what else does this person write for movies? I knew about Danny and Deep Blue Sea. Mm -hmm. And I saw Joe versus the volcano. I was like, what? Because I actually love that movie (laughs) and John also does. And we're the two people who do. I don't know that everybody else loves it. Yeah. I don't think people like it. They think it's silly and weird. But it it also has like that magical realism kind of element to it, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's another great romantic comedy, and I just yeah, I think Shanley's I pretty need to good see at that. that. Yeah, Meg Ryan plays three different roles. Yeah. So if you oh I mean, well, I'm if Meg Ryan is involved, I'm uh, yeah. I'm all over. Oh yeah, that. it's another Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks movie. Um, and love it. And yeah, she's awesome in it. Actually, I saw that when I was a little kid. I think I saw that right when it came out mm-hmm. um, and that stuff kind of imprints on you, you know? Yeah. You don't forget it. And it's, again, it's like he embraces this very over the top dramatic style because yeah. very quickly Joe versus the volcano. Tom Hanks is a guy that hates his life, hates his job. It's a complete dead end. And he goes to the doctor and he is told that he is going to die very soon. And uh, a millionaire comes up to him and says, well, since you're going to die, I'm going to give you all this money you can have a great trip, but I just want you to uh, sacrifice yourself and jump into this volcano and uh, save this island. <laughs> In the end. so That's the movie. That's the movie. And that's, yeah. what, that's the premise. And then it just goes from there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's ridiculous, but also real. I mean, it's... That's what is so impressive with John Patrick Shanley's work. I mean, yeah. these two stick out to me. And then we talked about Norman Jewison and like what he's done. And then we have these actors. One person we haven't really talked about much yet is Vincent Gardenia. As um, the father. Yeah. Love and him. he's uh, another face. Like, he has, like, this just perfect face. Yeah. Like, he's... Yeah. He's... Yes. His nose is great. Like, everybody in this movie has a great nose. Mm-hmm. I'm a nose appreciator. Oh, yeah. And everyone yeah. has a great nose in this. And he is so funny because so many of the things that he is communicating or like nonverbal in this, like the strongest part for him to me is at the end when Olympia Dukakis tells him, you know, that she wants him to stop seeing that woman. And he just kind of stands up, hits the table, sits down and says, okay. And (laughs) 
there's so much that he's saying without saying yeah in that scene i wasn't sure what he was saying when i first saw it i'm like oh my god is he gonna say he's not gonna stop seeing her (laughs) but then it was like that was just the you know the last gasp the emotion like he doesn't want to be told what to do he doesn't like i mean it's like (laughs) It's like a gorilla. He's like, you know, he's just fighting against so much of his nature in that scene. And it's just, it's really good. Well, he gets his, it's like his little temper tantrum before he's like, all right, fine. Of course. Like, yeah, I'll do it. Well, and his dad, I love the way that the father, his father comes up and it's just like, you're paying for your daughter's wedding. You have to do it. Mm -hmm. Like it's very direct and to the point. And so it's great because this father character, you know, we have this infidelity, We have him just kind of being, you know, a cheap jerk with a wedding situation. And it's like double barrels. It's like the father and then his wife. And it's a wonderful moment because then he and Olympia Dukakis say they love each other. Yeah. And Olympia Dukakis, Uh, instant, instant tears. And you're like, oh, my God. And he's got it, too. And you can tell he feels totally beaten. It's so sad when he's like. I have nothing in my life. My life is based on nothing. Yeah. And she's just like, that's not true. Yeah. You know, she's fighting for him at that point. And it's it's so, it's so good. And it so ends so in good. love. I know. And yeah. they love each other I and know. it's back. And it's, oh, what a, oh man. Even like with, with the, you know, the, the Danny Aiello character, you know, who, uh, you know he's such a yeah he's just ridiculous isn't (laughs) he i mean even from the beginning he's you know i I love the way that they kind of turn you against him in a certain way but still you know you still like he's still fine but he's just not good for loretta like you don't want him for loretta instantly because you know he's making fun of john mahoney and saying he can't control his woman yeah what's that all about what's that mean okay daniela get out of here Yeah. yeah And then his like violent scalp itching. Yeah, right thank before you. He proposes. To- I, that always drove me nuts. Like I was like, oh my god, my hair is going to fall out just watching this dude. But then I love it when yeah. Olympia Dukakis is talking to Loretta about him, and it's like, do you love him? And she's like, no. And she's like, good, good. <laughs> and then of course that comes back around so well at the end when she's talking about Ronnie, and she's like, do you love him? I love him awful, ma. <laughs> yeah. And I she's know, like, oh, so no, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> I love oh Olivia Dukakis actually delivers probably our favorite line, though. Yes. Yes. In the movie, which is <laughs> when Loretta comes in, it's like, you know, right before the final scene. And Johnny has been there overnight because he's like oh, desperately yeah. wants to talk to Loretta. And <laughs> and. Uh, Loretta comes home in the morning. She's got like a hickey on her neck and everything. And Olympia Dukakis is like, Johnny's going to come over here. And she's like, What are you doing? Your life is in the toilet. <laughs> and, and we laugh so hard. Oh, it's so good. It gets me every single it time. It felt so, so real. Good. Perfect. Like, Your life is in it's the toilet. So oh my God. We loved yeah. it. We well, loved it. Yeah, that's top tier. Well, Again, it's just like, here's another pitch-perfect scene that's just so bizarre. We have Johnny and Olympia Dukakis, and Olympia Dukakis figures out why her husband, Cosmo, is cheating, and it's because he's afraid of death. Well, she already had that theory. Like, that's what she was trying to explain to John Mahoney in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. 
and she keeps asking people this question about why do men cheat? Yeah. And she's looking for somebody to just say what she thinks, really. She's, you know, yeah. she has confirmation bias here. So <laughs> she, you know, she has the conversation with Johnny and he's like, oh, and he goes through this whole thing about how God took a man's rib and oh, like, that's yeah. why they need a woman. And, and she's like, but why do they want more than one woman? And he's like, well, they're afraid of dying. And she's like, yes, yes, that's the answer. <laughs> like, she's just... And I love her face in that scene too, when he starts going on that like ridiculous monologue about, you know, God gave the rib to who, it, and you can see that her face is just like, the fuck like stop talking oh yeah it's you know and it's so great <laughs> everybody kind of thinks johnny sucks that's and that's kind of what's good the yeah. pinky ring is terrible <laughs> the pinky ring, the pinky oh, ring is terrible it's yeah. terrible yeah and that's where vincent gardenia's like facial acting really shines because he can just like fold his face into these like these these I, I don't even know how to describe it it's like I, I it's so freaky how he can just like completely contort his face into anything it's true and you can and you can see everything that he's thinking without him doing anything other than just making a it's face it's like so magic it's pretty yeah, remarkable that he can do that yeah yeah he does have kind of that bulldog face There's yeah just so much like yeah. cheek there and he can somehow just <laughs> yeah he just like contorts it's it's awesome yeah. I, I, no one contorts like and him. he really dislikes johnny and, and it's hilarious i like that who is supposed to be 42 years old oh my god did you guys catch oh, that which is younger than both of us mm. now so i, I was know. like no i was like wow so weird yeah well and Cher is supposed like, to be no Cher's like says she's 37 yeah like i'm like okay right. you look great for 37 good for you um but it's funny because like the ages of the actual actors in this are so crazy compared to what they're playing like i think uh so Cher and olympia dukakis the age difference between them is only 15 years so olympia dukakis is only 15 years older than Cher. okay but nicholas cage is actually 18 years younger than Cher. so i mean they're supposed to be kind of the same and then i think don't quote me but I think Danny Aiello, who's supposed to be Nicolas Cage's brother, is like 30, 31 years older than Nicolas Cage. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, you know. Yeah. Nicholas well, Cage. Nick Cage was like 23 or 24 yeah. when he did this movie. Like, he was a baby. Yeah, he was, he was very young. But And I think Cher was in her early 40s. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he looks, he doesn't. He doesn't look old, Nicolas Cage, but he plays older. Like, I believe him to be a bit older. Have you ever seen any of, like, the rehearsal pics or or footage? Okay, so this is before, like, they they changed for the movie because they they did rehearse this before they went. Nicolas Cage, like, I think his hair was a different color. He looks like a punk rocker. He showed up in like yeah. leather and shades. You know what I mean? Maybe so it's he had like just been in Valley Girl or something. Maybe so. Yeah. It's I, I mean probably. It's um well I think actually I think Valley Girl might have been like eighty four. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking like he I don't know, maybe he's just still had some kind of look from a different movie that he was on. Very possibly. It yeah. was just like what got me was he looked so different than when we saw him in Moonstruck. Yeah. You know, because in Moonstruck, I'd say the wildest thing. Well, I mean, I can't I was going to say the wildest thing about his appearance was his hair. 
because it kind of just sticks up everywhere and you his, notice like that part that was yeah. like where is that and his hair parts yeah. like his hair parts like horizontally across like the back of his head yeah yeah and i'm like what is this like I've what kind of that. yeah he has like a cockatiel almost like <laughs> situation going i bet he went to do that i bet he meant That's to do so that thousand percent and hand his know? hair is nuts in raising arizona too he oh does yeah still have that kind of yeah that hair is crazy ronnie peak. hair but like it's so good and it does have that back of the head part in it which is i don't know i've never seen that on another human being I mean, I don't know, though. Maybe, like, great actors just have weird hair parting. Because, like, we talked about Jack Nicholson's <laughs> insane hair. Right. I think also that just kind of oh, his yeah. hair just grows, like, yeah. straight up out of his head. Like, just straight into the I air. Know. Well, That's so true. In the same year as this, this is mind-blowing, okay? Cher had three big movies. Yeah. She had Witches of Eastwick with Jack Nicholson, mm -hmm. who just turned 85, mm -hmm. which is insane. And then she had this other movie, Suspect. That I vaguely remember. I think Dennis Quaid yeah, might have been Dennis in. Quaid, Liam mm, I don't think I saw that one. I don't think I've seen it either. Maybe I did like a long I, time yeah, ago. Yeah, it's just like. See, I love her in. Have you guys seen Mermaid? Oh, oh yeah. Um, Mermaid. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Winona Ryder and with Christina Ricci. Sure. That's a great movie. Oh, yeah. Maybe Christina Ricci and Bob um, And that was, I think, 1990, I want to okay. say. That's right. Or 91. Yep. And it's she had that Shoop that song. That was That's what I remember is everywhere that Shoop song was playing. I loved I loved Mermaid so much. That was one movie. of my favorite movies when I was a kid. That's a great movie. I liked it. I loved it. I, I liked Mask. Watch that again. Yeah, Mask. Mask. She was really good in Mask. Mask. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. I used to like. I, yeah, I think I've seen most things. Cher was in. I think. Yeah. Well, and talk about hair. I oh mean, God, she has yeah. the best. Oh hair. my God! Yeah. When she gets it done, like you know. at the beginning, I actually <sighs> love her hair at the beginning when it has the little Me gray too. around her face. It's so pretty, and then she gets it done, and it's just like this huge monster, like it's basically how my mom's hair looked in the eighties, <laughs> oh, which is what I, I love I that. Love. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I also just love that. Like, I mean, this is maybe this is like a little thing, but it always has stuck out to me is that I love how she gets a makeover after she's already gotten the guy, <laughs> and he's already like completely in love with her. Mm -hmm. And about ready to like throw away his entire life, uh, although he he claims he has no life, but he's he's ready to just like destroy everything, burn everything down for her, and then she gets a makeup. Yeah, I love that, like, too. which is so great. Like I just I love that because you can see that like she, it's not even about him. It's no. like she's she's figured out this like renewed confidence in herself. And she's like, yeah, I want to get my hair done. Like, what, what, what of it? It's fine. Exactly. You know, but he's already ready to like just completely destroy his oh, life. Yeah. I mean, he says like towards the end of the movie when they're like outside in the cold, and you can see it's like really cold, and they're like struggling, like the actors are struggling. <laughs> but like, but I love when he's like, you know, I don't care if I go to hell. I don't care if you go to hell. <laughs> you know, it's like that's like the level that he said. But she, you know, he he felt that way before she covered up her gray hair and plucked her eyebrows or whatever yeah. you know and i just i love that that's a small detail of the movie but like it means a lot i think that's huge to me too because i and i didn't really think about it until this viewing and i've seen this movie many many times but yeah she's already got the guy she gets the makeover for her like it's because she yeah, just hasn't totally. really cared about taking care of herself and she hasn't seen herself as a desirable person and now she yeah. does because, you know, she's had this experience with him because, you know, she was with Johnny and Johnny is just 
you know, Johnny. Meh. He's very meh. Which... She's getting married to him because it's just like, yeah, whatever. I need to get married. You know, yeah. it's, you know, that's part of society, you know, and she had already had this marriage before she married for love and the guy got hit by a bus and it was like, you know, she's experienced a loss of someone that she truly loved. So she has this fear I think of being in a relationship where she actually really, really values and cares about the person because she, mm-hmm. she knows what could happen if, if she loses them. Well, and we also tying into the makeover, this is the first time I thought about this last night. She gets these red sparkly shoes, which are kind of like Ruby red slippers. And we mm-hmm. see her, you know, kicking this can and just in, in this state of, of just bliss and so it's like it made me think about Wizard of Oz, you yeah. know, and being transported to this this wonderful, wonderful place. Yeah. And it, it's totally. like in Wizard of Oz, it's funny because she wants to get back home, you know, and in this, she doesn't want to go back <laughs> home. And when I say she doesn't want to go back home, she doesn't want to go back to Johnny. She wants to stay with Ronnie. Yeah. And it's that's so true. I was like, it was the first time I saw that. OK, so here's another one. When they are at the Met, okay, I'm I'm a pretty cool person, I'd say, I think. But if I ran into... I, I would say so, too. Thank you. If, if I ran into, like, one of my parents cheating on each other while they were still married, I don't think I would have had that calm talk that they did. Yeah. No. But it's so funny, too, right? Because she's doing the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, not not really the same thing, obviously. It's a totally different situation. But it is, like you know sort of that meme of like spider-man pointing at spider-man <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know she's like totally aghast and then vincent gardenia is totally aghast and everyone's aghast and they're like wait what is going on yeah but that's true i mean it is it is kind of remarkable how they just like have this very pretty chill given yeah. the circumstances everybody was <laughs> to well i think they just don't want to like throw down like in this classy place mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. but uh, she's yeah. very hurt because she had just talked to her mother and in, in, in the church and her mother mm-hmm. said like your father's cheating on me and she's like no 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 way no way and then she finds out it's true so i think she is kind of like hurt by that but at the same time everybody kind of has the sense that you know people are getting a little crazy because of love and hormones and the moon Mm -hmm. which is affecting them right right the moon is kind of the whole thing that's like hanging over the whole movie (laughs) la bella luna moonstruck the cosmos moon that's just making everybody a little (laughs) wild and weird um so i think that there there's part of that as well but in real life realistically what you're saying i've I've actually been in that situation somewhat. Wow. Um, and yes, I was not cool. <laughs> and yeah. I am usually very cool You're and right. non-judgmental. But boy, that was not one of those times. Well, I think that <laughs> yeah. there's a point in that they don't want to make a scene. Because it, it feels like it's a small community where everyone knows each other. And something I caught this time is when they're sitting down, when Cosmo's sitting down with his girlfriend at the show, he's looking around yeah. suspiciously. He's mm-hmm. concerned. Yeah, he doesn't want to get caught. Somebody. He's scared of getting caught. Yeah. And both of them, like, if they called it out, that would have been, like, a horrible spectacle that everyone would have talked about, like, forever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with this family? What are they doing? And it's such a huge venue, too. So it's kind of like this weird contradiction where it should seem like there's this anonymous quality because you're in, like, this <laughs> huge dark theater, yeah. right? And you're watching a show. But at the same time, like, 
I feel like at least for me, like whenever I, and I mean, God, it's been a million and one years since I've been in a theater at this point, but like the feeling of being in a theater is like, for me at both points, feeling really anonymous, but also feeling like everyone is looking yeah. at you. And like this, this like weird sort of, um, I don't know, tension between those two ideas. Like that's sort of how I've always felt whenever I'm in a theater. Um, and I think that's a really beautiful way of like setting the scene um where the audience in that theater is also like us you know oh, and kind good. of like watching what's going on a little bit um but yeah i mean that i just i mean i think like just the inclusion of la poem and like the opera is just like oh man you guys just like you did it again it's like there's another like great feature that just adds so much you know to the entire backdrop of the movie just hearing this music and seeing Cher's reaction yeah. like georgia you were talking about like her face oh, yeah. and like the way that her face is lit up and obviously Cher is like one of the most beautiful women who's ever mm-hmm. lived but you know her reaction like watching the final scene of this opera and like how emotional she is um I don't know I just always found that like really special because I feel like it's a it's like a private moment that she's having herself in the theater but at the same time like we're watching it and we've all been in that situation when you're in a theater and like you watch you look at someone else who like interests you and there's like someone random who you're just like drawn to and you keep looking at them like what are they thinking here like yeah. what's going on for them watching this i don't know maybe i'm just outing myself as a no, weirdo this but is like, great. this is great no, i think well if you're i think if you're like more of an introverted person that people watching is kind of a big part of what you do like that's oh, yeah. definitely for me the truth i'm always looking at yeah. people and you know thinking you know kind of freaking myself out almost that like oh there's another person i'm looking at this person they have like a whole life that i can't know everything yeah. about oh, and totally i just freak myself it's very stupid and weird but it's true but <laughs> but yeah i mean i love the scene with share because <laughs> this is the moment when share is like really allowing herself to feel again mm. i think mm-hmm. because she's totally. kind of deadened you know like because of what happened with her first husband and everything and she's afraid of feeling and in this moment she like allows yeah. herself to really feel and it's great and she shares that with you know ronnie and he is a guy who you know is of course he likes opera because he's super dramatic yeah, and right. he <laughs> he's so and dramatic. he loves to feel like ronnie loves feeling things yeah. especially you know intense bad things like he loves it so he loves to be sad he loves to be knocked out by beauty like that's just who ronnie is and you know he shares that with her and it's something i don't think she knew she wanted and when she does get that it you know it kind of changes her as a person and and that's i think that's why we have the kicking the can ruby slippers scene the next day because she's a different person than she was like the day before yeah one thing i want to do is jumping back really quick but i I do want to mention it before we go too far past it with a situation like at the met of being in this enormous venue and running into someone here is a very brief anecdote i don't remember where we were but georgia and i were literally literally alone like miles and miles and miles and miles of no one we were literally in the middle of nowhere i think we were at some national park we stopped the car And, you know, we got out just to breathe for a second. Then a car pulled up with Massachusetts plates, 
and the three women that got out of the car had Clark University jackets on. <laughs> Swear to God. Where we didn't the... talk. No. We didn't do anything. But it was the what? most insane thing that's ever happened we were in, in my life. We were or, in, in South, our lives, like, We really. were in, like, South Dakota in the middle of nothing. Like yeah. A, a, just a giant oh field. God. And... How does that happen? It's so weird. So random. Yeah, I... I... I don't have an answer for you. That's yeah. really freaky. Never alone. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. It was so weird. It, it's, <laughs> but yeah, you can just, you can, you could run into to people anywhere, but yeah. Yeah. I just wanted well, to Well, I that actually in. also have that feeling since we, the feeling of kind of being alone and also overwhelmed by others is kind of how I felt the entire last 11 years that we've lived in LA because yeah. I'll feel like I'm driving in the car, you know, and I'll be on the freeway and, you know, you're alone in the car. People can't hear you or see, you know, that, but they can see you. So it just feels like you're on display all the time. It's like I'm by myself. Yeah, and you're in traffic every moment of your life. Yeah. So you're always like stopping. It's just like, know? I'll, I'll be having like an emotional moment in the car and then I'll be like, stop, don't get upset. Cause somebody's going to be looking at you. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, God. It's crazy, but it, you're you're totally right. You're you're never alone out here. You're you're never somebody's alone always eyeballing you. Yeah, there's always somebody. Yeah. There's always somebody. Anyway. It's totally weird. Yeah, but I think La Boheme. I actually saw La Boheme when I was in college. No um, kidding. Yeah, they we had a big performing arts center at my tiny little uh, rural college. Okay. Because I don't know why, but I guess I guess probably because it was a place that people could go see a show without having to drive all the way to Memphis, which was like two hours or Jackson, which was probably like three hours. Mm -hmm. So we had this humongo like performing arts center and they had big touring shows that would come and they had some special deal where if you were a student at the school, you could pay like $50 for five different tickets to different okay. shows. Nice. And I saw Fiddler on the Roof. I saw some other things, but I remember seeing La Boheme. And I had never been to an opera at that point. So it was like the first time I saw any opera and it was this. And it was just like really crazy because I didn't even think it was something I would necessarily like that much. You know, they're singing in a different language. Like, mm -hmm. you don't know what they're saying, whatever. And yet it was so affecting. Like, it is like intensely emotional. Yeah. Well, when I used to take singing lessons, I got trained in opera for a while and those songs when you actually sing them they really hit you and it's like i know like from listening to it you see the performances you have that but when you're singing it yourself it's just like i don't know it's just like this tuning fork is just like reverberating you're like wow <laughs> overload you know it's it's so intense so it's i mean it's perfect for this film because everything is so up and down and my family is half italian and i gotta tell you this is all bau we're normal we're yelling we're fine there's food do you get what i mean like we just keep yeah. rolling there's no there's no real feeling behind like the anger or the explosion it just is you can and say insane yeah, it stuff. just comes and goes you guys are like that yeah. it's very confusing to me yeah a not Italian person about <laughs> what this is like. But I mean, you even had an aunt Rita. I did. I had an aunt Rita and I had an aunt Teresa. And when you were talking about oh covering God. over their hair, when they went out, both of them <laughs> would do that. And, um, oh, I love that. yeah, it, Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. You know, where my mother grew up in Pennsylvania, she was very lucky because her family was all around her. 
and Aunt Rita and Teresa were across the alley from each other. You could actually go out of Aunt Rita's, cross the alley, go straight into the backyard of Aunt Teresa, go into her kitchen. And Aunt Teresa literally was That's always so cooking. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. And I, I'm serious when I tell you this. Aunt Teresa always had a fan in the kitchen, and she was always wearing a slip, and she was always cooking a massive meal <laughs> at all times. Like, best meatballs I had in my life. You know, so much fun, so many good memories. So, like, when we get a movie yeah. like Moonstruck, you know, and I get to, you know, enjoy that, like, when I was a kid, it, it's very nice, you know, to to go back and relive those moments. My mother loved the film. I saw it with her initially. I can't tell you how many times she's seen it. She's a huge fan. And it's, yeah, it just, it really, it really meant something to us. Well, because it captures that Italian-American family kind of experience, I yeah. think, like with everybody kind of, you know, that's who they spend time with as family. Mm -hmm. You know, they spend time with their brothers and sisters yeah. and grandfather. And, you know, they're just like, you know, always eating, they're gathering around the kitchen table. I mean, that's something that I can relate to also. Yep. I mean, when we would go to my grandmother's house, she had, you know, a nice living room with a nice couch and everything. And we could have all gone and sat in there, but we didn't. We all were sitting in the kitchen around the table. Mm -hmm. She was cooking and we were just talking like the kitchen was definitely the heart of the house. And you see that yeah. here as well. Like, Olympia Dukakis is always over at the stove making food. Yeah. Like she's making the toad and the whole egg and toast with the peppers. I'm like, give me that. That looks delicious. <laughs> All the food. And then like, they just, yeah. I, I mean, in the middle of the night, you know, I mean, you know, Cher comes home, sees her dad and they're just like, let's go to the kitchen. And then they just crack open this booze. Mm -hmm. He's like dead asleep. He just gets up like, let's go in the kitchen. You know, it's always an <laughs> I event. I love that. You know, it's like they always want to have... <laughs> you know like the full throttle business it's well, never you know it's never like a, yeah. a, a slow play it's and like we're on i also thought about totally. your mom with olympia dukakis at the beginning yeah when she's like we should sell the house we're yeah sell <laughs> my mother talked oh that's right. she loved talking about selling the house for years anytime anything went wrong you'll sell the house we'll sell the house and i was like you're not going to sell the house. I mean, eventually she did sell the house when she was like in her seventies, and she. Moved. I re I was there. Yes, of course. I that was one of but... like the four times we saw each other in person. I know. But that was like That's so true. yeah. But it was like that was like what fifty years of fallacy of selling the house before it it came true so it's yeah i mean that's that's the deal that just made me laugh i don't know if i just never caught it before or oh, if it yeah. just hit me this time but I it's was, a huge thing i was dying this time because yeah was selling the house that's a great well line. and it was also great when mahoney comes over later and he's i'm so like, cold can i can i just come inside i'm so cold like, he like <laughs> thinks they live in like a mansion and right? he's like i have a one-bedroom apartment you know and she's just like yeah whatever it's it's ridiculous. I well, love that she wouldn't let him come in. Well, that that's good. well, that's another thing. Okay, so people are cheating in this, yeah. but I don't know how far how far people are going with the cheating. You know, like what happens? So, like on this Mahoney date, there's like a kiss on the cheek, right? Do they hold arms when they're walking or yeah, hold hands? She puts, maybe she like puts her yeah. arm through his arm, right? And that's why the grandfather is kind of like sauce, right, right, about everything, <laughs> right? Because he runs into them and he's like, ah, oh, you know, and he's you know talking i think he's cursing in italian or whatever <laughs> but like he thinks it's no good but then like yeah. i think that the vincent gardenia affair kind of feels more like 
I mean, she kisses him on the cheek, too. Right. He buys her that bracelet. He seems like he buys her a lot of stuff. But it's more, it, well, and he has a lot of money. I think right. we see that he, you know, that's why they have this house. Because, and they refer to that, you know, like, how do you have such a huge house? My husband's a plumber. Oh, well, that explains it, you know. And he's telling him to get copper piping, which is expensive and all this stuff. And he's a great showman. He's a great yes. showman yeah. with the clients. Yeah. And you see that. And you're like, oh, I can see how this guy sells it. Because he treats the pipes that they have with such disgust. <laughs> he just keeps scraping it. He doesn't really want to answer them. Just to say, look at this nasty piece of shit he's that like, you, you have. Look at this garbage. You're that filthy you people. There's the pipes that you have, which are garbage. <laughs> You are living in feces. Yeah. Take the copper pipe, you know, and yeah. that's it. But I think his affair yeah. is more about making himself feel important. Mm. Like he doesn't feel mm-hmm. important and he wants to feel like the big man, kind right. of, you know, yeah. so that's. Well, you can even see that like when he's having lunch with, you know, his mistress, like right after he sells those people the ten thousand dollars in copper pipes or whatever and he's regaling her right with like this whole it's almost like a mating ritual like he's like telling her all about this and like she's hanging on his every word and you can tell that like this is totally the type of thing where like olympia dukakis is like i don't want to fucking hear about the pipes like just stop you know and like i think that's so true like what what georgia you were saying about like him wanting to feel important like i think he just wants like he wants something to feel new again Mm. right because like he says he's been with olympia dukakis for 52 years which is like wild because you guys got married when you were like Like, 10 or something yeah like one 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 and a half one and a half there were legal requirements but like when she was like 10 yeah Yeah. but it's just i don't know i just i find that so funny because like he's telling her this story and you can tell that this is something that like this is his speech this is like what he does and he wants someone to feel interested by it and feel he wants to feel desired and, and wants to feel like special and important and like you know it, it's so funny because we see like the parallel when you know john mahoney's character is trying to get olympia dukakis to let him come into the house and you know she says you know he asks her why and she says because i know who i am mm. and i just i think that line is so powerful like you know she's basically just like you know she's willing to entertain that maybe she feels a passing attraction to him but like ultimately she kind of just like knows what she's about and she's not gonna yeah you know let this charming professor with great clothes by the way i love john mahoney's professor outfits like they're so they're so good um but yeah she just she kind of just has this self-possession that i think is really amazing where she's just kind of like yeah i'm good (laughs) i don't need that (laughs) you know like she doesn't need she she wants it from cosmo she doesn't want it from john mahoney you know yeah i i just i love that and she that's what i really love about olympia dukakis's character and the way that she plays it is that she does have like this very strong core of knowing who she is and knowing what mm-hmm. she what her life is and you know i think that that is something that she maybe hasn't really questioned and i think that that is why she is so happy when johnny kind of agrees with her theory about the you know <laughs> men not wanting to die so they go after chase women and you know it's it restores her belief in herself in a certain way totally because she does have like the supreme confidence that she is who she is she knows who she is she knows what she thinks 
she isn't like you know unsure <laughs> she's the no. kind of person that yeah. you know is very solid and and understands things and to even have to question herself at all i think is a bit foreign for her so i yeah. i just I, I think that's so true i love how much they're able to convey that with really not verbal communication i mean it's it's acting it's just the way people carry themselves in this it's just super well done and that's what i think is so great about this i mean when we were watching it last night we've talked about this before one of the things that we find to be a hallmark of a very good movie is that it moves quickly yeah and we like literally were at like an hour this movie's an hour and 41 minutes we were at like an hour and 21 minutes and we stopped it for some reason and we were like wait what yeah (laughs) We're like, yeah, this exactly. only has 20 more minutes? We're like, are you kidding me? I mean, it was shocking. It felt like, you yeah, know. Yeah, they like wrap it up, you know. It's like, <laughs> you're just. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was just, it flies by because you're just so swept mm-hmm. up in it. And I just, I think that's great. I think what that has to do with is, again, the, this kind of magical realism, the, this kind of dreamlike quality with the moon because everyone gets swept up, you know, in the madness, you know, of the tides, wh- whatever you want to say. But like the whole reason that everything works out for everyone is because we have Johnny propose. Yes. You know, there, there's no other way that we could have, you know, found our way through if that didn't mm-hmm. happen. Because then that's how we end up getting introduced to Ronnie. She finds the love of her life. And everything wraps around. And if it wasn't for Johnny, right, then Johnny could have never gone to Olympia Dukakis and confirmed what she needed. This is true. Every single person. Yeah, that's really true. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's just the beauty of this. It's just so well done. So Johnny matters more than we thought. Yeah, he's an extremely important (laughs) character in this. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I would say that's kind of like a a red herring, maybe I want to say this, Mm -hmm. at the end of the film is when they're waiting. They're waiting for Johnny to show up. And then it's Raymond and his wife, and they're worried about the money. That part is like, you know, it's like, it's not it's just like for me that isn't that isn't as big of a shock ever i have no idea why but if i hadn't delivered that much money i'm sure it would be a shock to me but as the viewer for some reason every time i'm just like oh yeah the money like i I don't i think it's just to tell you about uh loretta i think that like because the whole thing with loretta is that she's such a solid person Mm, right she's so dependable she's always you know you know, you can give her a bag filled with thousands of dollars and trust that she's going to go take it to the bank and do whatever you need to do. Right. So it's just showing you, I think, that she, you know, I don't know if we needed that to no, show we us. No, we do, because you're absolutely right. Now I get it. Thank you. It's it's because she's so swept up in love that the love is the most important thing to her yeah. beyond anything else. Well, she couldn't mm-hmm. think about it. I mean, what happens is she takes the, that bag to deposit yeah. And she ends up going and getting the makeover and doing all these other things because all she can think about is going to the opera and seeing Ronnie again. Yeah. And it just kind of, you know, nukes her life that, you know, she has yeah. this love for, for Ronnie that kind of overwhelms everything else that she's normally doing. Um, it's like a disruptive force 
um, for this person who's generally a very steady person. And, you know, I don't know if there's supposed to be some sort of idea that she, like, had stolen the money or something and used it to get the makeover and the dress and everything. I I don't think that. I never thought that or anything, but um, I don't know. Maybe there's supposed to be an undercurrent of that. But all I'm getting from it is, you know, just like Olympia Dukakis, like, I think that the Cher and Olympia Dukakis characters are supposed to be very similar, like... Mm -hmm you know, like a mother and daughter tend to be a lot of times mm-hmm. if they're close. And, you know, she has like that kind of steady, practical kind of demeanor that her mom also has. Right. And this just shows that like she's taken practical and torched it because she's right. so like swept up in like this, uh, you know, affection and love and just whatever you want to call it with Ronnie. Like she's just burning up in love with him. Well, we start out, I forget about this. Our first scene with Loretta is at the funeral parlor with her boss. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, you know, Hey, can I marry you or whatever? Kind of off the cuff. And it's just like, no, you know, but she's looking after people. She's a caretaker from the beginning well she does books for people like she's yep. doing his books well she fixed up like this tie because he like spills it on yeah, him and coffee, he's yeah. like a baby she's around these baby men a lot that's <laughs> why she's with danny aiello i yeah, think i think so he's like a baby and, well and, he says that yeah. he says you take care of me yeah you know and like that's kind of her whole deal you know that she's always taking care of people and she does accounting and she does like bookkeeping for people, which is a very steady kind of a job. That's really well. And we also have her working at a funeral home, which is death. Yeah. Let's that that's something yeah. that like that's where she is. She's dead. And I feel like they do a great job. I mean, Cher is, is a beautiful woman, but I feel like she looks like she's in mourning. I feel like there's this ashy quality well, to her. The you gray, because her hair is curly and everything, the gray is kind of like yeah. she's cobwebby or yeah. something. Yeah. It's, I yeah. mean, it's, it's just like, and you know, that scene, you know, at the funeral home, we never go back there no. because it's like, we, I, I feel like we don't need to, you know, it's just like, I think that's just a great way to set up where her life is. at at the start of this but it's Mm -hmm. these people coming back to life i mean you know like ronnie camareri's like a troll you know putting pieces (laughs) and a hole in the wall you know what i mean and he's he wants the big knife you know what i mean that's where he's at he said bring me the big knife and it's just like yeah it's these people are just rescued by madness so true. they're crazy minutes yeah. to recover from the <laughs> yeah well they all have to like surrender right like that's kind of like i think what happens is like everyone has to kind of let go simultaneously to sort of end up where they're supposed to be yeah. because i think i think that's really true i mean i think you know loretta she is looked at as, i think as everyone just knows that she's super dependable and that she likes she feels and and likes to take care of people but i think what's so special about her relationship with ronnie is that you know to some degree you see her taking care of him as well um but you also see that he values a lot more than that like he sees her i think for who she really is rather than what she just brings to him yeah yeah. um in a way that johnny doesn't and you know when you're when you're talking about sort of how instrumental johnny is to the plot because it's true i mean he's he really does inadvertently like set everything into motion 
Um, and and I think on like the final scene in the film, when and obviously right before this happens, I love when the grandfather is crying and he's like, I'm confused, <laughs> you know, because he's like trying to figure out. But you see like Johnny sort of right after, um, you know, he's told Loretta, okay, I can't marry you. Um, and then Ronnie immediately is like, well, we're getting married. Yeah. Will you marry me? And she's like, yeah, of course. You know, but but you see Johnny, um, like you can see on his face, like just he's like struggling to be like, what am I doing here? Like, what's my role here? Right. Like, you know, and then and then the grandfather and I love this scene, like comes up to him and he's like, you're part of the family now. Like, you know, you're you know, he he's sort of like helping him see like you're you're a part of this. Like you like like it or not, or no matter how traditional it might be, like you actually kind of created this situation and therefore you're part of the family. And I just I, I don't know. I that final scene like I, I feel like this whole episode has just been me talking about parts of this movie that make me like emotional cuz I'm just a mess of a human being. But like <laughs> but yeah, I I just I find that scene like so touching whereas like when I I've seen this movie a million times and you know the first time I saw it was when I was I think 19 and I credit my my friends um you know Bridget, Ezra, and Owen who are triplets and who I've known for over 10 years at this point but they introduced me to this movie because this was like their family's favorite movie that they watched all the time growing mm -hmm. up um and i've probably seen it like 50 times since then oh, yeah. but like but when i you know when i think back on how differently i read this movie now as a 30 year old than as i did when i was 19 mm -hmm. and i'm so much more like touched by it now and like yeah. emotional about all these scenes but the ending i think is so beautiful for that reason because you see you know that johnny kind of realizes that he is important in this even though it's not the way that he thought it was going to work out um but i don't know i just I've, i always found that to be such a beautiful kind of coming together where they're just like toasting the family in this kitchen after eating like what seems like a baba yaga pot of oatmeal that <laughs> yeah. just keeps going forever <laughs> it's just like, well you know, you know and like <laughs> it feels very shakespearean to me because yes, um, totally you know again we go back to the play thing and everything but in all the Shakespeare comedies, you always have like at least kind of one character who ends up off to the side, not a part of things and that's cut true, out. Yeah. And, you know, like it's Antonio in Twelfth Night, who is a, one of my favorite characters. It's like a minor character. Yes. I love Antonio, but he's left out. You know, everybody couples up and he's kind of odd man out. And that's the kind of thing we have here. You know, you have the restoration of the marriage um, between Cosmo and Olympia Dukakis. And then you have Loretta and Ronnie get together. And you have Rita and Raymond there who have always had like this strong relationship. And then poor old Johnny is kind of just out here in the cold. Yeah. But the grandfather also is kind of out. And at yeah. on the outside of those circles of couples he kind of says no you're still part of this and brings him into the fold and it's like a really wonderful thing like i, I really love that it is. i just thought about this okay so we we have this piece where the grandfather talks about being alone and johnny obviously you know is not getting married but what if the deal for these guys the happy ending for them is that now they're going to be best friends <laughs> Because, you know, he brought him in. Right. And and I love it. He really made he really made Johnny feel like he was part of it. And you can tell he's got a big smile. And what really cements it 
with this being the family is they go to the photographs that they've taken as a family yes. with everyone yeah. involved. So And you, Johnny's in the picture yeah. too. Well, and we all know the grandfather the grandfather has the thing for strays, oh, right? Look at you. So he's, hey, look at you. Georgia. Yeah. So Johnny is a stray and he's taken in oh the stray. Oh my god, Georgia. Oh my god. You're the smartest person in the world. This is so good. This is so good. I like never put that together at all, but that is so true. Like that's why he has the 40,000 dogs that just keep <laughs> destroying the house. Oh my God. Johnny's another dog. Yeah, <laughs> that's comes, amazing. Way to go. He's going to take him to go howl at the moon. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to see that scene. I want to see that scene. Because Danny Aiello is freaking brilliant in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, we've been oh slagging God. off on Johnny pretty hard. But honestly, Danny Aiello is perfect in this role oh he's amazing Danny Aiello can play any type of mood and I've seen him be a very tough man a very scary scary man and in this he's like this beautiful vulnerable ineffectual man yeah he's so hilariously inept yeah and and everything and yeah and you know he's surrounded by all these women and he has no idea what to do with Mm -mm. them you know He's terrible. He's a terrible boyfriend to Loretta. Oh, yeah. He's, you know, a bizarre crap son to his weird mom, <laughs> who's a nut. I you love know. mother. I like, love I feel the like he's completely controlled by her. <laughs> it's mean, a, you know, she she does control him, and it's even called out as such, you know, because Ronnie's like, you know, he's been con- she's been controlling you you know, from the beginning, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like Ronnie, yeah. it didn't even seem that he was aware of this situation with the mother and you get the feeling, you know, this is just like some hysterical thing that she does for attention or to retain well, like power in well, their relationship. Yeah. And Ronnie says like, she, well, they ask him like, why aren't you there? You know, he's like, ah, she doesn't like me. <laughs> yeah. Just quick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but even like cosmo when when loretta tells him that she's gonna marry johnny he's like johnny camarari he's a big baby you yeah. know it's like everyone kind of knows that like you know johnny johnny's just like completely hapless <laughs> just you yeah. know but but that's true i mean that's the magic of danny aiello in this part is that he just sells that oh, yeah. like beautifully and it it's not forced no. it's not it, it just it just feels it's like without ego <laughs> it just feels so good he has no ego about it because yeah he, you know if you were like afraid of looking ridiculous you'd be in trouble trying to play that part but he just oh leans God, into yeah. it even further yeah with the luggage the luggage yes scratching the head it's the one <laughs> the head scratching yes yeah. and then like just he leaves the luggage everywhere like he gets in the cab oh, they right. drive away hold it <laughs> i have to go back he gets his own luggage you know what i mean yeah he really needs somebody to look after him like that's i, I can see why he was looking for you know not exactly a wife but a caretaker he needs help he yeah. needs somebody to help him out for maybe, sure. maybe the old man's gonna help i, I think that so. you've really got it i think that you've really got it with this <laughs> you know it's well, I, I actually never thought about the old man taking in strays and johnny's astray until literally we were talking about it just now but it really is that's it that's the answer yeah. it fits no i think that's i think that's really really true you get a trophy for um, that like well, i will put that up everywhere do. that is you set so me smart up, so i'll give you at least partial credit you guys both set me up for it so yeah i wouldn't have thought about it i wouldn't have thought about it if we hadn't really talked deeply about what was going on with the grandfather and the 
I, and I love that so much. I love the Shakespeareanness. Yeah. I love how it ties back into the dogs. I just love how it all works and how real and and you know that's the thing. This movie just has this magical sense, but it also does feel so real. And I think that it has to have both. Yeah. It has to have both to balance, or else you kind of could so easily lose control of this. And For and that's sure. that's really down to writing and directing and picking the really perfect actors for the roles. But I th- I think this is like a really unique romantic comedy in that way because it's a romantic comedy where like the the actual main romantic relationship is not the only part of the movie that matters. Yeah. Like there's so much. Like I feel like every romantic comedy to some degree, with with a couple exceptions, like. It's very formulaic where you are focused all of your energy on like this, you know, will they, won't they of like the main couple. And in this movie, I, I find myself like, yes, obviously their relationship is so important and it's, it's such a beautiful relationship, relationship in and of itself. But like, you just, you're so invested in everyone (laughs) and you're so invested in like all of these peripheral relationships that are, that's on their own could seem inconsequential, but they're not like they they all feed off of each other and they all matter to share and nicholas cage in their relationship like it's almost like they their relationship wouldn't exist yeah. without all of these others around them well it kind of reminds me structurally of love actually mm. because we have mm. you know all these interweaving stories but one of the biggest things in this movie that i would say is the use of that's amore you look at the lyrics of that you are right on the money that that is it you know it's all about you know feeling like you're drunk in love and this beautiful moon and just it's it's you know it's all the things that just i don't know they seem magical you know and it's just like you love it you love it and they keep showing the moon you know throughout the film and that thing is a beautiful monster yeah Cosmo's moon is not playing games. No, no. Like yeah. if the moon is and my so favorite big. throwaway line when Nicolas Cage is looking out of it, and you know, with <laughs> Cher after they've just like slept together and they're looking at this moon, he's like, "It looks like a giant snowball." <laughs> <laughs> just like cuts, and it's like that's such, it's such a ridiculous line, but it works. It's just like, okay, thanks, Ronnie. It's so it. good. It's, it's so like a, good. It's a big so white good. circle. Yeah, like okay, good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's so silly. I always wish that we had more Nicolas Cage share outings after this. Oh, yeah. Because I enjoyed this movie so much. Yeah, they're very good together. And yeah, I would love to have seen them do other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they have such an amazing chemistry. So I think we've hit on pretty much all the things that I can think about about this movie right now. It's okay. it's always tough to wrap up, I mm. think, because we always talk about movies that we super love. Yeah. And, you know, we could keep doing that for an inordinate amount of time. Yeah. But uh, I think that I've kind of hit everything. If, did you have anything else that you wanted to add? Uh, just a, that's a more line. When you walk in a dream and you know you're not dreaming, senore. Oh. yeah see that's, <laughs> that's uh it. yeah i mean and that's that's you know that's our movie well i thought about the absurdity of the lyrics of that actually when you just brought it up like mm-hmm. when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie what yeah. does that even mean like you get hit in the face with a pizza 
like it's, falling it's, in love it's like getting smacked in the face by a pizza like okay sounds good i just gonna pass on that but. what i think it's i think it's just be, oh, that's very funny i think it's just because the moon is so big you know you know those times when you look at the moon and it's huge well i don't mean i don't think it means it's like physically attacking you but i, I think it's just like well this makes me think close. of in um bruce almighty yeah where he brings the moon closer and it disrupts the tides and everything about the world starts falling apart right like if you had a moon that big there would be trouble scientifically I, yeah but, i agree with that I, I mean also i think about uh that film a trip to the moon yeah where it's smat the the rocket ship hits the moon yeah hits it in the eye right yeah, it's like an old old like 1900 something movie yeah yeah that's funny yeah i don't know that is a really i've always thought that's more it was kind of a silly song and i think they actually use it to great effect in this movie well and it's what i also really like about that song because i've listened to it many times and i love it 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 sounds like our boy dino had a few pops (laughs) before he laid down the vocal on that and i love that it's almost like offensively italian like i mean like it's like (laughs) like pasta fazool it's like so i just I don't, i'm like wow this uh, it's like i almost can't sing the song because i'm not italian you know it's i be it's a wonderful like i have to bow out and just pass it to italian people to sing it because it might be offensive if like as a you know 98 percent irish german person sang the song i don't know i'm just like no no <laughs> It's my mother loved it, and we would sing this song together yeah. all the time. Oh, that's cute. Her family loved it. Like this was a really big song, so yeah. it's like I've heard this so many times, and again, it brings me back to really great family memories. And yeah. it's and it's fun, and it's again, it's everything that this movie is. You know, it, it's fun, it's crazy. You yeah. know, it really tugs at your heartstrings. And the beautiful thing about it is everything ends up in the right place in the end. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And everything is temporary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. All I'm saying is don't go on any long trips. <laughs> I love that part. I love that part with the Cardinia. What does that mean? I will say no more. You've said nothing. And that's it. You know, <laughs> That's all I'm yeah, that's say. all I'm gonna say. That I, kind of you know what's funny is that like I go back to thinking about Mahoney is like a professor of communication mm. and the communication in this movie is not normal. Oh, that's at good. all. And it's really funny. Well, and he's terrible at communicating too. Like right. he's always we keep seeing him out with these young girls and like they're talking to each other and he ends up always getting water thrown in his face. Because he's terrible at talking to people, but he's a communications professor. That's brilliant, and I've, I've never picked yeah. up on that. I mean, John Mahoney again, brilliant. You know, from Steppenwolf. You know yes. what I mean? That's uh, man. everybody from there is good. Yeah, it, I mean, I always <laughs> I like after he gets the drink thrown on him that he goes. You know, I'd like you to just do away with any evidence of them and bring me a big tall glass of vodka. <laughs> Yeah, and Bobo and team are like, you're. We're on it. Yeah, they they're there for them. 
It's Joe Grafasi is the <sighs> actual actor in that part, not Bobo. But I just love Bobo, and I had to call out Bobo again. I love the name I Bobo. I love Bobo. <laughs> Bobo's so good. He's so good. He looks so good. He's Yeah, he's really the backbone of that <laughs> restaurant, you can tell. The restaurant would, would go down in flames. Well, and he <laughs> knows everyone. Like, when uh, when Olympia Dukakis comes in, he calls her by name, he sets her down. Bobo is, is the champ. I hope he gets a raise. Yeah, I do too. The place should be called Bobos. Yeah. It should be called Bobos. Yeah, yeah. I'm for that. Totally. I vote for that. It is, in fact, Bobos' world, and we're just living <laughs> in it. That's true. <laughs> All right, Kate. Anything else that you wanted to add that we haven't talked through? You know, I I just wanted to thank you guys for uh, unceremoniously inviting myself onto oh. your podcast and making you uh, have me on to talk about this movie that I love. Um, because it's just really special and I feel like talking to you guys about it as many times as I've seen this movie, it, it's, and I just literally watched it, uh, you know, 16 hours ago or something, but like, you know, I, every time I talk about it or think about it, there's other things that I learn about it and just kind of being able to like talk it through with people who i love and cherish it's been really nice Aww. that's great we really loved having you and we love you kate yes, yes. we do oh, i yes. mean you know you're one of the smartest people that we know also and and oh so insightful <sighs> yeah and you know you love music and movies as much as we do and we just we can't do it without you so we're so happy to have had you on as a guest and you know also your kindness with us figuring out you know technical matters you're right thank <laughs> no, you no you killed it <laughs> we definitely wouldn't have wanted to do that with a stranger or somebody that we don't <laughs> appreciate as much as we appreciate you so and thanks for suggesting well, i will do this anytime <laughs> yeah i will and, definitely do it again and definitely. thanks for suggesting moonstruck mm -hmm. also because we we just love this movie and any excuse to watch it again and just talk about it incessantly is is a plus for us <laughs> yeah and, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was a great, great talk. It was really great. This was fun. You're our Absolutely. first remote guest, Kate. <laughs> yeah. I feel really special. You should. You are. Thank Fantastic. you. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode of Moonstruck. Thank you again, Kate, for joining us and bringing all of your amazing insight we loved it mm -hmm. and uh until next time everyone stay comfy stay comfy stay comfy <laughs> <laughs>